on. Um, hi everyone, my name is Isabella and I'm going to read our scripture passage for tonight. Let's read God's word. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Thanks, Isabella. Hey, guys, good to be with you. This is your first time here or one of your first times here. Special welcome to you. Uh, my name is Bailey. I'm the campus minister here with RUF, and it's a joy to be with you. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at Psalm 122, which Isabella just read for us. But before we do that, let's pray and ask God to be with us as we consider his word together. So let's pray. God, you're good, and we, we're thankful. We're thankful that you, um, you're not a God that's distant or unknowable, but you're a God that is so close and so knowable to us that you have spoken, and we have your word in front of us here in Scripture. Lord, so as we come and ask questions about it and inquire of it, we ask that you'd be with us here, um, that you would meet us where we're at, whether we have a ton of energy or whether we feel like we're drowning in our assignments. Lord, um, we trust that you meet us in that. So we ask that you would be with us tonight and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 122 is a song that God's Old Testament people, the Israelites, would sing on their journey as they would travel kind of from where they lived up to the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem kind of being a city up on a mountain. Um, and this was a song that they sang really in their excitement to go be with God's people and to go worship with God's people. Um, even in the difficulty they faced in their journey, there was this true sense of joy that was ahead for them. Um, a little bit about me before I moved to Harrisonburg like a month ago. I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I went to a church in Charlotte that had a lot of families with a lot of kids. And I mean, like, not babies, like, there were a lot of babies, but there were, like, a lot of elementary school kids in this church, which meant, like, snack time after church was a madhouse, which was a lot of fun. Um, but these parents, like, it became really clear as I had been around this church for a while that the parents really loved worshiping on Sunday mornings and really saw the value of being there. But at the same time, it was clear that every week that they went to church was like a fight because they had to wrestle like five kids and get them dressed and get them and get shoes on their feet, which they didn't always do. Um, and they had to like take these children and like wrestle them into Honda Odyssey minivans and like buckle them in their car seats and then get on the road before they got back out of the van. And they did this each week. And so these parents would walk in and it was really clear that they felt this just immense sense of joy and excitement to be with God's people. But also at the same time that they kind of had to fight to get there. I think this is what Psalm 122 is pointing at, at least in some sense. Right. We as Christians are on a journey, this journey of the Christian life. And our final destination isn't 
Jerusalem as a place on earth, but it's actually this new Jerusalem. It's actually the place where God dwells right now, right? And we're on this, desti- we're on this journey and our final destination is to be in God's presence and to be with all of God's people and to worship him. And if there's anything I want you to see tonight, anything I want to challenge you to see tonight even, it's this, that worship is central to the Christian journey. It's central to the Christian life. And if that's true, and I will argue that it is true because it's true, we should let that truth shape the way that we live. We should let that truth shape the way we approach God's people, how we approach the church. So tonight, we're going to see three things. If you're a note taker, this is, this is for you. We're going to see that worship brings joy. Worship unites God's people. And ultimately, worship forms us. So that's worship brings joy. Worship unites God's people. And worship forms us. So let's hop right in. Worship brings joy. The gathering and gathering with God's people to worship him is a source of joy for Christians. It's a source of joy in the Christian journey. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me if you have your Bible or it's on the screen. I haven't got used to the words being on the screen behind me, but we'll get there. Right? Verse 1 and 2 reads like this. I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem." And notice these first words with me. Where it says, I was glad to hear them saying, hear the psalmist, the guy who wrote this psalm. He's saying that he was glad when he heard that they would be going to the house of the Lord. And this word that we translate in English as glad doesn't quite get the full picture of what's going on here. Um, When we think of glad or gladness, we think of like a slight happiness, right? We think kind of a minimum amount of excitement, right? Like, If you took a test today that you thought you were going to fail and you didn't fail, you would probably tell me that I was glad that I didn't fail. It doesn't really get the full picture of what's going on here. The Hebrew word really translated glad could really be translated as I was beaming, like beaming with excitement when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. This journey that the psalmist was about to embark on and hearing about is something that he's actually overjoyed about. He's really, really glad. He's beaming about it. And Jerusalem here is a taste of this heavenly city to come. It's a taste of the reality that God's people would all one day at the end of times be together and worshiping. But even this little taste that the psalmist is writing about is something that's tremendously exciting. For Christians... Our Jerusalem, where we go and worship God, it isn't, the play, it isn't Jerusalem that's on the map, right? It's actually the church. The church is the place where we worship. It's the place where God calls us together and he calls us to worship him. It's in the church that we're pointed to the reality of our salvation. It's the place where we're called to worship, called to confess our sins, called to find our assurance in Christ who forgives us of our sins. It's the place where we pray together, where we hear God's word read and preached. And the church is a joy for Christians because it's the place we're reminded about what's true. And what's true of us is that through faith in Jesus, we are God's people. We're adopted into God's family. We're saved not only from our sin, but we're actually saved into something, that being the church. 
And the reality is that the psalmist is rejoicing over this. The reality is that the psalmist is rejoicing over the fact that God's people are gathering together to worship. And I think we all know in like some way what it looks like for a group of people to gather together over something that they have in common and the joy that comes from that. I most recently saw this at a monster truck rally. <laughs> Hang in there with me, okay? I have a friend of mine, uh, he was actually a professor at my seminary, and then we became fly fishing buddies. Um, and so he has four kids, three are boys in elementary school. So before school started last fall, he called me up and he said, Bailey, I've got something for us, monster truck rally. And the story goes, he wanted to take his kids to do something fun before school started, but to take three boys to a monster truck rally, you have to buy two adult tickets. So he asked his wife if she wanted to go to the monster truck rally, and for obvious reasons, she said no. But when he called me for obvious reasons, I said yes, right? I mean, I'm the kind of guy that would love to go to a monster truck rally. I still am. Um, right, so we show up, and like his kids don't know what's going on. They think we're going fishing because it's me, and that's all he and I ever did together. So... We get there and we get to the monster truck rally and they see like the signs and the billboards for monster trucks and they're like so excited because this is just beyond their wildest dreams of what we were gonna do together. So then we go into this arena where they're doing the monster truck rally and there's like hundreds of kids and adults who are so excited about the monster trucks that like it's contagious just how much joy and excitement is in, the, is in just this weird outdoor arena. And the excitement especially builds when you watch monster trucks jump over school buses. I can tell you that firsthand, right? We can understand what the excitement and joy that people have and what it looks like when people come together for something they love, like monster trucks. But think of the joy with me that we experience when we're gathered together because God is the one who calls us to himself. It's because God's the one who moves towards us and brings us into his family Think of the joy that comes when we gather together because God has graciously saved us by faith in his son. Right? And what we see in the church and what we participate in when we worship is actually bigger and far more exciting than we can understand. And the psalmist here gets that. And because worship is such a source of joy for Christians, we should let that shape the way we think about how we go to church. We should let that shape the way we think about worship. I think we often, as Christians, relate to the church, think about worship in a way that says, I have to do this, right? We think, I have to go to church because it's Sunday morning. We think, I have to go worship. I have to do this. And when we think of that, it's not a joy. It's actually a duty, right? And we don't love to do things when they're a duty, right? I wash the dishes every day. I don't love doing it, but it's my duty, right? Instead, we need to see worship instead of a have to, we should see it as a get to. We get to go to worship. We get to be with God's people. We get a day of rest to go worship, right? We need to start seeing worship not as something we check off because we feel like we have to do it, but as something that truly brings us joy, truly something that we know God uses for good in our lives, and that's how we need to understand worship. All right, so the psalmist is showing us that it's an exciting and joyful thing to gather together with God's people and to worship God. But more than that, he's also showing us what it looks like to be a part of God's people. And we see that next, that worship 
not only gives us joy, but it actually unites God's people together. That's our next point. Worship shows us um, both the diversity and the unity of God's people. Look at verses three and four with me. The psalmist writes this, and I'll say this, we're mainly focusing on verse four here, and we're going to come back to verse three in point number three. So look at verse three and four. It says, Jerusalem built as a city that is firmly bound, or that is bound firmly together, excuse me, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And what we see in verse four is the mention of these tribes, the tribes of Israel who go up to worship. God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, were divided or split, if you will, into 12 tribes. And 11 of these 12 tribes even had their own specific land in the promised land where they dwelled. And the thing about these tribes that's important here is they all have different tribal identities, so to speak, right? Like there was a distinction between someone who was of the tribe of Benjamin as opposed to someone who's in the tribe of Dan, for instance, right? But even though they're different tribes, they have different tribal identities, they're still all one people. They're still all God's people. And the church, in the same way, God's people now, it isn't made up of people of just one nation, right? But instead, it's made up of all people who have faith in Jesus, people from every tribe, people from every tongue, people from every nation. Right? The church is, has a great diversity in who is in it, yet at the same time, there's a great unity because we're all connected by faith in Christ. Right? What becomes common and a common thread among all people, all Christians, through their various backgrounds and ethnicities and stories and socioeconomic statuses or whatever it may be that divides us, is that we all have a commonality and a unity through our faith in Christ. We're all brought into God's people. I think of this in a lot of ways as thinking of like a stained glass window or like a glass mosaic, right? When you have a stained glass window, you have a bunch of different kinds of glass, right? That's different shapes, it's different colors, it's different sizes, maybe different thicknesses. Um, And on their own, these pieces of glass are beautiful in their own way. But when you put them all together, it actually creates something that's more beautiful than the sum of their parts. What we see in scripture, especially in places like 1 Peter 2, is that God is building his people into something, but it's not a mosaic. It's actually a house. It's God's house. And he's building that up through the spiritual stones that are Christians, that are us. Right? And that, this means ultimately that the church that's united in Christ, this great unity and diversity, isn't a building. Right? It's not a geographic place on earth, but it's actually the people. It's us that God is putting together himself. So God, by his grace, he pursues all kinds of people and he makes them into one unified people. It's through these diverse people. It's these diverse people that go and worship God together. And that's really good news for us because first that means that the church and our experience with the church is actually just bigger than what's around us and it's bigger than your own experience. And it's also good news because we can learn from other Christians that are different than us, from different parts of the world, from different races, from different, who have different experiences. We can all help one another to grow in our love for God. 
So because the church is diverse and at the same time it's unified in Christ, we should celebrate that, but we should also learn from our brothers and sisters in the church. Right? That means we should learn from our brothers and sisters in the church that are persecuted right? and learn what it means to follow Jesus even when it's costly. We can learn from our brothers and sisters that are suffering or who have suffered, knowing that we can learn what it looks to, like to trust God when things are difficult, when we don't know how we can keep going. We should learn from our brothers and sisters in the church that are older than us. It would be a great joy for all of you to be a part of a church and to befriend people that have kids that are in elementary school because that would be such a great way for you to care for them and for them to care for you. We should also learn, this is one we don't think of, we should learn from Christians in ages past, right? Christians have been on the earth for 2,000 years, right? There are a lot of Christians from hundreds of years ago that we can learn a lot from. So worship brings us joy and it unites God's people together, right? God takes people from all backgrounds and brings them into one people in the church. And so the last thing I want you to see with me in Psalm 122 is that worship ultimately forms us and it ultimately shapes us. It's our final point. The, the most formative thing we can do as Christians is weekly Lord's Day worship, like weekly worship on Sundays. Let's look at verse three. We're coming back to it. Verse three says this. It says, Jerusalem built as a city that is firmly or bound together firmly or bound firmly together. Forgive me. I learned this in like KJV, so in my mind, it's never correct when I read it on the screen. Anyway, Jerusalem was the city where God's people worshiped, and the psalmist, um, it describes it as a city that is bound firmly together. And some, tra some translations even call it a well-constructed city. Um, and what the psalmist is pointing to and what he's admiring about this city is the fact that it's a unified city that what makes it a unified place is that it's central in the lives of God's people. It's central for worship because this is where the temple was located. This is where the feast and the holy days took place. This is where worship happened. What forms us as God's people today is Christian worship. And it's not that worship, like we just talked about, binds the church together, but it also at the same time forms us as individuals. It shapes us. You and I both are going to be formed by something, right? Something is going to form us. Something is going to shape us. And one of the things that forms us is the world around us, right? We're constantly bombarded with different types of media that try to tell us what the good life looks like and what we need to do to achieve that. Right? We're constantly bombarded with advertisements that say, if you buy you know, X product, it'll make you happy. All right, we're, we're told that the latest trends are things we need to follow. And if we follow the latest trends, if we do it correctly, we'll be accepted, we'll be loved. And these are the waters that you and I swim in every day, every day, day after day, we fight against that current. And at the same time, we're also fighting the sin that's within us, right? Every day, you and I both break God's law in thought, word, and deed, right? We fall into sinful patterns. We face temptations and we give in. We react to the things in our lives sinfully. Right, so six days a week, we find ourselves fighting the world's current and the attempt that the world has to form us. Every day, we fight the sin that dwells within us. 
But God gives us one day a week of rest from our labors, and he also gives us this day to worship, right? And that's what we call the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. And it's in Christian worship that we're reoriented. That's a weird way to say we're re- re- we're formed, okay? That's, forgive me. Christian worship is how we're formed and we're reformed to what's true about us, right? We're reoriented to what's true about the world, what's true about us. It's through worship on Sunday that God, week after week, year after year, forms us. And he does this by the rhythms of worship, not only the week in and week out rhythm, but also the rhythms that we find in worship, right? Because worship begins with a call, a call to worship, right? It begins with a reminder that we come to worship not because we think we can move towards God, but actually because God is the one who moves towards us first, right? Worship continues with the singing of praises, praising God for his works, right? Worship contains a confession of sins and a place where we're assured of the salvation that is offered in Jesus, right? It's in worship that we see the sacraments. We see baptism in the Lord's Supper, where we're reminded of our ingrafting into the church through baptism, and we're fed spiritually through the Lord's Supper, right? It's the place where we hear the reading and the preaching of the word. Worship is the place where it ends with a proclamation or a blessing of what God will do as we leave. And it's through these rhythms, right? These rhythms in our worship that we participate in week after week, that God uses that week after week, year after year, decade after decade to form us and to shape us into the image of his son, Jesus. Something uh, I've always admired about my grandpa, I was thinking about this today, is that he gets up super early every day. I can only get up early if it involves fishing. And without that, I'm not good at getting up. But my grandpa, without trying, every day wakes up at like 4.30 in the morning And he's been retired for like 15 years, and he still wakes up at 4.30 in the morning. So recently, it was one of the holidays, we were hanging out, and it was, you know, about this time of day, which is his bedtime, and he was about to go to bed. And I was like, why do you still get up so early, Papa? Like, it's, you don't have to do this anymore. And when I asked him why, he just told me uh, the reason I get up early is because I got up early every day for 40 years. Right? It was through the daily pattern for him of waking up early to go to work that he became someone who woke up early to the point when he didn't have to do it anymore. He still did. Right? This is just like a little taste of what worship does to us. Right? It's a primary way that God, over time, makes us more and more like Jesus. So since worship forms us, since worship, worship shapes us, we should take that seriously. That means that we should, we should actually go to worship each Sunday. Right? We shouldn't neglect worshiping with God's people. It should be something that we make a priority in our lives. And a really careful point to make with that, too, is also that RUF is not a church, and it can't be your church. Because what we do here is good, that we sing songs of praise, we consider God's word together, right? We have small groups, we you meet with our staff one-on-one. It's a really good thing. But if this is the diet of God's word, if this is the diet of God's people that you get and nothing else, you're actually starving yourself and you're not growing in the ways you could be. Right? You need God's people, the whole church. 
in order to worship. We also, you know, not only do we need just to go to worship, but we also need to go to churches where worship is central to what they do. We need to go to churches that preach the gospel. We need to go to churches that see that worship is one of the most important, if not the most important thing that they do throughout the week, right? Because it certainly is the most important thing they do. The act of worship, the gathering together of God's people is something that God uses to form us and to shape us. And it's something that he uses to continually form and shape us into the image of Jesus, that God over time uses this to make us more and more holy. It's an ordinary means that God uses to do something extraordinary in us. So if there's one thing I want you to hear tonight, and we'll land the plane. So if you checked out, hop back in. This is your invitation for that. If there's one thing I want you to hear tonight, it's this. So worship is central to the journey that we are on as Christians. And it's central because it reminds us of the joy of salvation. It gives us a picture of the unity of God's people. And it forms us in godliness. And when we worship, we're being reminded of the truth that we're sinners that deserve God's displeasure. But at the same time, if we have faith in Christ, it's a reminder that by his grace, God moves towards us and God forgives us of our sin. So maybe you're someone who has never been to a church before. Maybe you've been and it feels weird and awkward and you don't know how to get started in that. Come talk to me. Come talk to Kayla or Emily. We'd love to get you connected to a local church and help you begin this process and begin this journey of following God. Right? My final invitation for all of us is this, that we would go and make worshiping the living and true God a priority. Right? Because that's where God forms us. And that's where God brings us joy. So let's pray together. God, we're thankful that you, by your grace, by the finished work of Jesus on the cross, don't only save us from our salvation, but you save us into your people, that you bring us into a community where you grow us, where you strengthen us. We're thankful for that, Lord. Would you use your word, use this time tonight to drive the truths that we just heard into our hearts? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys will, we're going to stand and continue singing.